I am so excited about the message for today. Today I want to talk to you about the God who can. Right now, most people are concentrating on the can'ts. I choose to concentrate on the cans. Well, I understand there are many things that we cannot do right now. Many things that have been taken out of our hands. Things that we no longer have control over. If we allow ourselves to, we could become anxious, overly stressed, even panicky. But I've got some good news for us today. And the good news is we serve a God who can. Now, there may be some things that we can't do, but I love what it says in Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. It says, Oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. What is Jeremiah telling us here? He's telling us that our God is a God who can. When we can't, he still can. Well, you might be thinking, well, can what, Pastor? Well, let me share four of the many, many things that we could talk about today that our God can do. The first thing I want to suggest to you this morning, and that is he can supply our needs. I love what it says in Philippians 4, 19. Paul writes, and Paul says, My God shall supply all your need according unto his riches in glory. I want us to notice two things right here. First of all, I want us to notice the provider. The provider. It says, My God shall supply. I think it's a day that we need to remind ourselves of who our source is. And our source is not our employer. And our source is not the government. And our source is not our own efforts. God is our source. Jesus writes in the book of Matthew, chapter number 6. I'm going to turn over there. Matthew, chapter number 6, and verses 25 through 34. These are the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Jesus asked the question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what are we going to wear? For after all, after all these things the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We need to understand today that Jesus is our provider. But don't, don't just notice the provider. Notice also the place, the place the provision comes from. Philippians 4.19 again, my God shall supply all of your need. But notice the next part, according to. According to what? According to the present economy? According to what is going on right now in our world? According to the present availability of stuff? According to your present financial condition? No, no, no. According unto his riches in glory. Uh, here's what I know this morning, and I know that there's no recession in glory. The, the shelves in heaven's warehouse are not bare. There are no shortages in heaven. Oh, I'm talking to you today about the God who can. He can supply all of our needs. Well, notice another thing that our God can do. And that is our God, he can sustain us supernaturally. We need to stop looking with our natural eyes and we need to start looking with eyes of faith. See, see, when we look with natural eyes, we see a whole lot of things that we can't do. But on the other hand, when we begin to look with eyes of faith, we see all of the things that God can do. Here's what I know this morning, and that is faith can turn the can'ts into cans. Well, I want to suggest a couple of ways that God can sustain us supernaturally. First of all, he can sustain us supernaturally through unexpected methods. Unexpected methods. In 1 Kings chapter 17, the prophet Elijah proclaims a three-year drought. Not one single drop of rain is going to fall over the next three-plus years. Can you even imagine the devastation? Can you even imagine the domino effect that would have? This drought would not only have a negative effect on the people, but also on this prophet that proclaimed the drought. I'm sure his popularity plummeted. Well, what happened to this prophet in this three-year period the answer, God sustained him. But I want us to notice how God sustained him. God sustained him through unexpected methods. First of all, through, through using ravens to deliver him Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Verse number six says, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. But verse 7 says that eventually the brook dried up. <laughs> it always does, doesn't it? What did work no longer does. What brought resources to him no longer does. So now what? Elijah gets new instructions. 
Verse 8 and 9 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. What? A widow? Can you even imagine what must be going on in the mind of Elijah? Perhaps Elijah is thinking, I I sure hope her dead husband had a large life insurance policy. I hope she meets me riding in a Mercedes chariot. But no, no, when Elijah gets to her town, when Elijah meets her, he discovers her to be an extremely poor widow who is about to prepare for herself and her son the last supper. She only has enough groceries to make two small pancakes. She's going to make one for herself. She's going to make one for her son. Her plan is for them to eat these pancakes, uh, pancakes, say goodbye to one another, and then starve to death. That was her plan. What was Elijah's response to her? Verse number 13, Elijah said to her, do not fear. Do not fear. Go and make me a small cake first and bring it to me. And then afterward make some for yourself and your son. Can you imagine what this lady must be thinking? Oh, the gall of this preacher. I've just, he knows my dilemma. He wants me to feed him. But Elijah said in verse 14, he said, he said, if you do this, he says, thus saith the Lord. He said, the bin of flour is not going to be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until this drought is over. If you've read the story, you know that the widow obeys the men of God. And you know that God used her to sustain her, her son, and God's prophet until the drought was ended. Oh, every single day she, she goes to the meal barrel and there's enough, there's enough for a meal. Every time she tips the oil jar over, there, there's just enough oil to cook one more meal. But day after day after day, it continues to happen. Oh, I'm talking to you today about the God who can. He can sustain us supernaturally. He usually does it through unexpected methods. I've seen it myself. I've seen it myself when me or, or my church has had a need or, or needed some kind of a financial miracle. I've, I've envisioned the miracle in my mind. I've played it out in the theater uh, of my mind and, and, and I see it coming through this one or I, I see it coming through that one or, or, or I see it coming this way or I see it coming that way. Nope. <laughs> Nope, never, never. It nearly always comes through unexpected methods. Not only does it usually come through unexpected methods, but also through unconventional methods. Unconventional methods. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, God is reminding the children of Israel. Verse, chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, verse 2 through 4. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years, feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you. And for 40 years, your clothes did not wear out, nor your shoes, and your feet didn't blister or swell. Wow. 
I'm talking about the God who can. He can sustain us supernaturally through unconventional methods. God sustained approximately 3 million Israelites for 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness, and nobody had a job, and nobody received a government check. He did it through unconventional methods. Water gushed out from a rock. Manna appeared every morning. The Bible says that the Israelites called this food manna because they didn't recognize this food. One translation of the word manna is, what is it? When the manna appeared upon the ground, the Israelites looked at that food and they they said, what is it? What is it? Oh, I love this phrase in verse 3 of Deuteronomy 8. I love it from the New Living Translation. It says, it says, God says, feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you. Don't you love that? Oh, feeding you with food previously unknown to you. Oh, hear me this morning. Hear me this morning. I proclaim today. I proclaim today that God, God is going to sustain us supernaturally through unconventional and previously unknown methods. I believe with all my heart that God has already tailor-made our own personal manna. See, we've all gotten too comfortable with our conventional methods. Why? Why? We can do them in our sleep with one hand tied behind our back. Oh, I like, I like what Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 and 19 says. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. God says, behold, I will do a new thing. Oh, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Somebody needs to hear this today. God is a God who can. Stop focusing on all you can't do and begin to place your faith in the God who can. Well, let's notice a third thing he can do. That is, he can silence our storm. In Mark chapter 4, the story is recorded about Jesus and his disciples. They're on the water in a boat, and all of a sudden, a storm arose. Now, it wasn't just some little typical storm, because verse number 37 calls it a, a great storm. It was so severe that the boat became filled with water because of the crashing waves. The disciples began to panic. Oh, oh, they became exceedingly fearful. They began to cry out to Jesus for help. If you read the story, you'll see where Jesus stands up in the middle of the boat. He stares down the eye of the storm and commands the winds and commands the waves to calm down. And the Bible says immediately the wind ceased and the waves calmed. I'm talking to you today about the God who can, he can silence our storms. All of us are experiencing the storm right now. 
All of us are experiencing the effects of it. Nobody is unaffected, but the good news is this morning, and that is Jesus is in the boat with us. Find, if you read the story, you'll find also that not only was Jesus in the boat with him, but there were other little ships. They weren't in that storm by themselves. They weren't in the storm together. The Bible said there were other little ships. Sometimes we think we're the only one going through the storm. We're the only one facing whatever it is that we're facing. But no, no, if we would only look around us, and especially today, we're all going through the storm. There are other little ships. You're not only the only ship that's, that, that's rocking and reeling today. Everyone, everyone is going through the storm. Good news is that we're not going through this storm by ourselves, Hey, hey, your church is going through it with you. Oh, oh, your, your, your family, your friends are going through it. But listen, even better than that, even better than that is the fact, the good news is that Jesus is in the boat with us. The disciples were in the boat, but Jesus was in the boat with them. And Jesus is going through the storm with us today. And the good news is this morning, and that is that Jesus can silence our storm. I want to suggest two ways to silence the storm. First of all, through his word. We can silence the storm through his word. Mark 4 and 39, that story, it says that Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great Calm. I'm telling you, there's power in his word. There was power in his words that day on the sea, but I'm telling you, there is power in his word today. Oh, hear me this morning. Oh, hear me. We, we need to use the word to silence the storm. Oh, I want to encourage you today. Oh, I want to challenge you today. Read the word. Read the Word. Spend some time opening the book. Read the Word. And then speak the Word. And declare the Word. And claim the Word. Not only can the storm be silenced through His Word, but also through worship. Through worship. Worship is a powerful weapon. Oh, I love Isaiah 61 and 3. It says to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of despair. Oh, when you're in despair. Oh, when you're discouraged. Oh, oh, when you're down in the dumps. Oh, oh, the Bible says that we can, we can put on the garment of praise and the garment of praise will cover up the spirit of despair. I love Psalm 8 and 2. It says, because of your enemies, you have ordained praise to silence the foe and the avenger. Yes, we can silence our storms through worship. Here's what I know. It's impossible to worry and worship at the same time. We will either choose to worry or we will choose to worship. Now, notice I didn't say you couldn't sing songs and worry at the same time. There's a lot of Christians who sing songs. They sing Christian songs and they worry. I'm not talking about just singing a song. I'm talking about worship. I'm talking about true worship. I'm talking about worshiping in the Spirit. I'm talking about using worship as a weapon. Let me challenge you today. Turn off the news for a while. 
I know we've got to check in every once in a while. I know we need to know what's happening and, and what's going on in our world. But, but let me challenge you. Turn off the news for a while and turn on some praise and worship music. Stop repeating the secular news and start repeating the good news. <laughs> oh, we are serving a God who can. He can silence our storms and he will use his word and the weapon of worship to do it. Well, let's look at the fourth and the final thing that God can do in our short list that we're talking today, and that is he can sympathize with our struggles. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, But he was in all points tempted, just as we are, yet without sin. I want to take some pressure off of you today. God does not require perfect faith. I said God does not require perfect faith. If you'll read your Bible, you'll discover that God uses imperfect faith. If you'll read your Bible, you'll discover that God uses flawed people. It's okay if you're struggling today. You heard me right. I said it's okay if you're struggling today. It's okay if you're like the man in Mark chapter 9 who brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus and he asked Jesus to deliver his son and to heal him. And Jesus said to this man, he said, if you can believe, sir, sir, if you can believe all things, Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. And the man responded to Jesus and he said, Lord, I believe. Lord, I, I do, I, I believe. But he got really honest with the Lord and he said, Help me with my unbelief. Lord, I, I do. I do believe, but Lord, I struggle. I struggle with, I need you to help me with my unbelief. I ask you this morning, did this man have perfect faith? No, no, no. No, he was struggling. He was struggling with his faith. Oh, oh his faith was strong one minute and weak the next. He was up one moment and down the next. He was struggling. He was trying. And I ask you this morning, did Jesus deliver this man's son and did Jesus heal him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, listen, you don't have to have perfect faith. You may be struggling in your faith today. That's okay. Keep struggling. Keep struggling. Do like this man and say, Lord, I do believe, but I'm struggling with unbelief. Lord, I need you to help me. I need you to help me. We're talking about the God who can. Oh, he can sympathize with our struggles. I love Psalm 103, verse 13 and 14. It says, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. I'm going to say it one more time. It's okay if you're struggling. It's not okay to give up. Well, let me just mention two quick things about Jesus and his ability to sympathize with our struggles. 
First thing I want to say is he experienced all of our struggles. He experienced all of our struggles. Hebrews 4 and 15 that we read just a moment ago said Jesus experienced everything that we experience. See, God the Father didn't spare Jesus the Son even one of our human experiences. He knows what we're going through because he went through it also. second thing I want to say here, and that is he expressed his struggles to his father. What? Yes. Yes, even Jesus, even Jesus, he expressed his struggles to his father. You see, before Jesus went to the cross, he first went to the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. And in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus expressed his struggles over going to the cross. He expressed them, but not only did he express them to his father, but he expressed them to his father for three full hours. Father Jesus cried out, if there be any other way than this, let this cup pass from me. Oh, Father, if you have any other plan than this plan, Father, put that plan in effect. In Luke's account of this, Luke says about Jesus in Luke 22 and 44, Luke says that Jesus was in such agony when he prayed that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus can sympathize with our struggles because he expressed his struggles to his Father. You're struggling today. You're not the only one struggling. Maybe you're up today, but maybe tomorrow you'll be down and vice versa. Oh, listen, listen, we all are going to have our struggles. It's okay. It's okay to struggle. It's, it's just not okay to, to quit. Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Our takeaway for the message today is simply this, what man can't do. God can do. I want to challenge you today to stop focusing upon all of those things that you can't do, the things you're not allowed to do, the things that you no longer have the freedom to do, the things that that, that have been taken away. Stop focusing on the things you can't do and start focusing your faith upon a God who can. He is a God who can. There's nothing that our God cannot do. We are serving God. A God who can. Father, I thank you for your infallible, unchangeable, life-giving, life-altering, life-changing, miracle-working word. And God, I pray today that your word today will go forth and you'll do Through your word today, Lord, what no one else can do, I believe you are a God who can. Well, today I'm going to ask you, if you would, just to close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment today. Perhaps you're listening to me today and you're not saved. 
Oh, I've got good news for you today. You can't save yourself, but God has already paid the price for your salvation. He's a God who can. He can save you. John 3.16 says that God loved the world so much that he sent his one and his only son to do for us on the cross what we can never do for ourselves. He's already provided salvation for you today. Ephesians 2 and 8 says that, that by grace are you saved through faith. So we get saved by placing our faith in God's grace. And God's grace is what God did for us through his son Jesus on the cross. Today, if you're listening to me and you've never placed your faith in God's grace for your salvation, I want you to repeat this prayer with me this morning. Make this your prayer. This prayer is not magic. It's not the prayer that saves, but, but it's the vehicle that we use to put our faith in God's grace, and that is what saves us. So if you've never been saved or, and you would love to be saved today, repeat this prayer with me, placing your faith in God's grace. Repeat this prayer with me. Pray it from your heart and not just your lips. Pray, dear God, I want to be saved today. I place my faith for my salvation in your grace and what you did for me through your son on the cross. I believe if you prayed that prayer with all sincerity, I believe God heard you and I believe he saved you today. Maybe you're here today and you're anxious, you're worried, you're concerned, you're all so focused on the can'ts. Oh, maybe you are struggling today in your faith. Oh, listen, God can sympathize with you. Oh, the Word of God says to cast all of your care upon Him because He cares for you. So, Father, I just lift up those that, that are anxious today. I lift up those that, Lord, that, 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 are, that are weighed down with the cares of all that is happening and going on in our world today. God, I just pray that you will help them today. And I pray the, and I pray the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard their heart and their mind through Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here today listening to me or watching me today and, and, and you're concerned about provision. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to buy groceries? How am I going to take care of my needs? Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, if you could take care of three million Israelites for 40 years and nobody had a job and nobody got a government check, God, I know, Lord, this, this is nothing for you, so I speak provision over our people right now. And Lord, whether you use ravens like you did for Elijah or the widow like you did for Elijah or any other unconventional man, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know, God, that you are Jehovah Jireh. You're the God who provides. You are our provision. And we believe you today and we thank you today and we praise you for supplying all of our need according unto your riches in glory by Christ Jesus.